This morning we will be talking about money. Actually, at New Life Church, we have made it our aim to do a stewardship series once every couple of years, and it's been a few years now, so we have missed that. And so I'm Travis, I'm the pastor, campus pastor at New Life Wilsonville, and we were talking about the need to do a series again, just because this is an important topic for us to be talking about on a regular basis. And so for the next six weeks, we will be talking about stewardship. The first three weeks, sort of thinking about How do we think about money and how do we think about how that relates to God? And then the second three weeks will be a little bit more practical. But we're doing this with each preacher taking a different topic and then sort of doing a rotation. So I get to be here this week with you as we kick this series off and then next week in Gladstone before going back to Wilsonville. And I hope that you are blessed as you have a variety of preachers coming to talk with you about this topic. But this morning we're going to be talking about the worry that we have around money. Why, why do we worry about money? How do I know if I'm overly concerned about money? And so we're going to consider three ways that we might know whether or not we are overly anxious about money. And then finally we will finish with what we might do about that. So if you would turn with me in God's word, you, there are Bibles in the pews if, or if you brought one or you have a device with an app. You can pull up the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and we'll be in chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. And this is what Jesus is saying as he's teaching his disciples. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He, he begins by, by saying, where are you investing? Where are you investing? You know, as I, I think about money and I, I think about the different concerns that we have about money, it seems that, that everybody sort of starts off at a place where, do I have enough? And so we're stressed and anxious and worried about, do I have enough money? And then the next thing, if you, if you make it past that so you're not worried about, do I have enough for today or tomorrow or this next week or, or maybe even for the next month, you, you feel like you're okay, then the next thing you start worrying about with your money is, okay, how are my investments doing? Are they secure? Are my investments safe? Where, where am I putting that money that, that I don't need necessarily right for today, but I, I have to hang on to it in case I need it in the future? Right, Because we all know those things come up, those, those needs that come up. You're, the van breaks down, the roof needs to be replaced. There are going to be some bigger expenses. Maybe something happens medically, and so we have to be prepared for those. And th- so we set the money aside, and we go, okay, it, is my investment safe? Is it secure? And so what he says, what Jesus says, is don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where the moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And at, at this time, they didn't have stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all of those kinds of things that we have right now. At this time, if you were going to store up treasures, you were going to be investing probably in some kind of nice cloth. 
or some sort of metal money. And so as soon as you acquired that, then you had to go, okay, now how am I going to keep this and secure it? How am I going to store this so that it retains its value? Where am I going to put it so that the moths can't get into it? Where am I going to put it so that the rust doesn't get to it and dissolve it and disintegrate it so that it's no longer valuable? What am I going to do with this to keep it secure so that nobody will break in and take it from me? Right? If I don't have anything for you to take, I'm not worried about you taking it. For a long time, I drove what I considered a college person's car. It was, it was a little car that I just could not justify getting rid of that car because it just kept running. And I told my wife, I am tired of driving a college person's car. I am an adult now. I want to drive an adult car. But one thing I never worried about, I never worried about somebody stealing my car. Nobody was going to take it. And in fact, when that car finally did, I did move on from that car. As I evaluated other things, I found myself coming right back to the same kind of vehicle. Where are you investing? What are you putting your money into? How are you making sure that it's secure? He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moss nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. If somebody were to come to you and they, they were to say, I have a proposition for you. I know a place where you can invest your money and you are guaranteed not to lose it. Well, that's a pretty good start. I'm going to invest my money. Yep, the yields are going to be great and you will not lose it. Wow. You know, as I'm talking with people and we're thinking about money, it's always this, you know, investment strategy. And so you have this risk and reward thing. And what's your risk tolerance? How much risk can you tolerate? And okay, we're going to diversify your portfolio so that we'll mitigate some of the risks so that you have some that are riskier investments and that will yield higher rewards. But then we'll have other things that will counteract that so that you don't have too much at risk at any one time. And so we'd start talking about all of these different things and high yield index, mutual, blah, blah, blah. And we do all of those things so that we know that this is what I'm doing and where I'm putting my money and that it's secure. And he's saying, wait, 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 I have an idea what if we put it in a place that is guaranteed not to go down the stock will always go up well sign me up for that where is this no one can steal it no one can take it it will not degrade it will not disintegrate where is this investment he says this is in heaven how about if instead of investing in all of these earthly things, instead you take your interests, your uh, finances, your passions, your energy, and you invest those in heaven. And the rewards will be great. And the losses will be zero. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth and the rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. It's an interesting thing that um, what our heart is passionate about, that's where we tend to put our treasures. That's where we tend to put our investments. That thing that you're passionate about, the thing that your heart longs for and you're most interested in, that's where your treasures are going to follow. But interestingly, it goes the other way too. It goes the other way around that where you put your treasures, your heart's going to follow that. So it's sort of this cycle that builds. It's, it's one of those positive feedback loops. The more that you do it, the more that you will do it. Because the more you invest there, the more heavily invested you are, the more your heart is drawn to that thing. And so the more that you're going to invest in it. So if you find yourself going, well, I think that I might be investing too much here and I'm not really invested that much in kingdom stuff. You can change that. Well, I don't really feel that passionate about it, and so I'm not going to really give money to that. You can change that. Start giving money to it. It's amazing how quickly you'll feel passionate about it. If you don't believe me, just start with 10 or $20 a month giving that to a missionary. We've sent out several missionaries from this church who we, we love and support and encourage. But, but you will find that as you start to support them on a monthly basis, your heart is more drawn to them. It's not that you didn't care before. You may have. But your passion for them, your heart for them, your prayers for them, your focus on them will be increased as you start giving there. The places that your money goes, that's where you're most invested and that's where your heart will be drawn. And so he's saying, don't, don't invest in this stuff. Don't invest in this earthly things. The stuff that's going to fall apart. The stuff that's going to rust. The stuff that's going to get destroyed. The stuff that, that people might take away from you. Don't invest in those things, but instead invest in heavenly things. Invest in heavenly things. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, how, how do we know where our treasure lies? Where are your eyes pointed? He goes on in verse 22 to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If we're wondering, where, where are my investments at? Where's my heart at? Where is my treasure at? We can start to look at what our focus is on. As I was reading through this and I saw this, the eye is the lamp of the body piece in here, I went, oh, I never really noticed that before. I mean, I knew that this piece was in here in the Sermon on the Mount. I just didn't realize that the context both before and after was about money. How is it that our eyes relate to our money? Well, he's, he's saying, look, the, the things that you're looking at, the things that you're focused on, 
That, that's what's going to, to feed you, right? So if your eyes are focused on light things, then light is going to fill your body. And if your eye is focused on dark things, then darkness is going to fill your body. We're just following right on the heels of, for your treasure is where your heart will be also. For where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be, and that's where our focus is. That's the thing that we're going to be looking at. We're focused in on it and paying attention to it. And we're watching and we're saying, what's going on with that? And so sometimes we find that the thing that has our attention and our focus is our investments, our financial investments. And so we're watching the stock market as things are happening all over the world. And we're watching the stock market go like this. And we go, yes! And then we watch it go like this. And we're going, oh no! Because the thing that we're focused on is what's coming in. And so we find ourselves either filled with light or we find ourselves filled with darkness depending on what our eyes, the lamp of the body, are focused on. Because no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? If we're wondering whether or not we're overly concerned with with money, the first question was, where am I investing? The second question is, who am I serving? And he says, there are two, two different masters that you can be serving. You can be serving God or you can be serving money, but you cannot be serving both of them. You can't, you can't be serving both of them. You'll have one master or you'll have the other master. You can't have two masters. Now, when I'm looking at this, this well, you can have one or you can have the other, I'm a both kind of a guy. I always want both. Would you like pie or ice cream? Both. Would you like to stay home on Saturday and have a day of rest? Or would you like to go out and see people? Both. I want to do both. Can't I just serve God and have the money? Doesn't that sound best? Can't we just do that? I just want to serve God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and also have all of the money that I need. All of the money that I could want. Can't I do both of those things? And Jesus is saying, no. No, you can't do that. You can't have two masters. Because you're going to either love the one and hate the other or you're going to uh, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, you can't love them both. You can't serve them both. There are a couple of different kinds of masters. There are those masters that you just love and are devoted to, to them. And so whatever they ask of you, you want to do it because you love them. And then there are those masters that are the hard masters that you are afraid of them. Because you are afraid if you do not do what they say, the consequences will be dire. And money can be a hard master. Well, if I don't serve this, will I have enough? 
Will I have enough? I mean, will I have enough for today? Will I have enough for tomorrow? Will I have enough in retirement? Because worst case scenario, I have heard this over and over again, worst case scenario is I outlive my money. And so I'm afraid of that. And so I serve that. But money plays both sides. Money gives us this threat that we're concerned that if we don't serve it, then we won't have enough. That's why we stored it up just in case so that we will have enough. But then we also have this, whoo, I would like one of those. And money could give me that. If I just get a little bit more money, I could have that thing that my neighbor has that I really wanted. Money is, is that, that thing that, that tells us we could have whatever we want. And people are always telling us the things that we want. As I I'm, as I'm pull up my apps, it almost doesn't matter which app it is. I pull it up, I'm looking at it, and there's an ad. How do they know? How do they know me better than I know me? Stuff I have never heard of before shows up. Whoa! I never knew that existed, but I definitely need one of those. They know all the stuff that I want. And it just shows up. And sometimes I'm talking with somebody else and they tell me about this thing that they have. And I go, ooh, that sounds pretty nice. Oh yeah, it's great. Changed my life. I want my life changed too. How much did it cost? Yeah, okay. All right. Maybe if I save up, maybe if we... And so we start thinking about these things because we we, uh, subject ourselves to money as though it is our master. And so we say, this is the things that will delight us or these are the things that will be the consequences if we don't do what money tells us we need to do. And he's going, you can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. We can't serve them both. We can't believe both that God will take care of our needs and also that we must take care of our needs by having enough money. We can't believe that God will give us the delights of our heart and give us uh, beauty and joy and also think that we must save up enough money that we can buy all of the things that will bring us beauty and joy. We, We can't serve two masters. Because you're going to love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And so who are you serving? Who are you serving? Who are you afraid of the consequences if you don't do what they say? And who are you looking to the rewards from? Is it God? Or is it money? Who are you serving? Who are you trusting? And then finally, what am I worried about? What am I worried about? Verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Don't be anxious about your life. Don't, don't be worried 
about those things. Because is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Isn't there more to life than just what we eat and what we wear? Isn't there more to life than that? Now, I ask that question because that's what it says here. And I think, but when it comes right down to it, it seems like eating and clothes are basic necessities. I need to have food and I need to have clothes. Don't those seem like the basics of life? And he's going, sure, yes, you need those things. But there's so much more to life than that. There's so much more to life than that. And you find that when you don't have enough, you're wondering, am I going to have enough? Am I going to get the food that I need? Do I have clothes to wear? And then again, you move beyond that, will I just have it, to a, okay, now I do have it, and so um, what is it that I really want in this? Couldn't the food be better? Couldn't the clothes be nicer? And he's going, don't, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Because there's more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? He uses this little illustration. You've seen the birds outside. On Friday morning, I was walking my children down to the bus, and I was just enjoying that even though it was still the end of February, it's beginning to feel like spring. And so I was walking the kids to the bus, and I was hearing the robins singing, and I was hearing the finches singing, and I was hearing that stupid jay yelling. And I said, stop, I'm listening to the birds sing. Go away, jay. But I'm listening to them singing and I'm enjoying the spring and I'm watching the robins hopping through the park next door to my house and they were getting worms because there had been a lot of rain. And I was watching the juncos flitting around underneath the bushes, picking at the seeds that were there. And watch those birds. They're not doing anything to prepare for that. They didn't sow those seeds so that the plants would grow. They didn't harvest those seeds and store them up in barns for later just in case. They just go and God provides for them. They just go out each day and pick up what they need and they eat it and God provides for them. And you are more loved than birds. You are more important to God than birds. Do you believe that? That you are more loved and more important to God than birds? Many of you, I'm sure, as soon as I say that, yes, of course I know that I'm more important than a bird. You know it in your head, but but in your heart, when it comes right down to it, you are worried that you're not going to have enough or that God's not going to provide for you. Because you are worried that he doesn't actually love you as much as he loves the birds. That he's not actually going to provide for you like he provides for birds. 
You're going, oh, yeah, sure, if I could eat like a bird, it'd be fine. But I can't just go pick up seeds. God loves you. God loves you as his children. You are more important to him than the birds, and he loves you more than the birds. Do you know who's not worried about what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear? My children are not worried about these things. They come into the room and they go, I'm hungry. Good to see you too. I'm glad you're home from school. Yeah, can I have a snack? Yeah, you can have a snack. They know. They're not worried about it. They just come home and they want to be fed. They're not worried about clothes. I know they're not worried about clothes because they just leave them everywhere. They're in piles all over the floor. Are they clean? Are they not clean? My kids don't care. Only mom and dad care about those silly things. Things get left at the park. Things get left at the school. I don't have clothes. Why don't you have clothes? I don't know. I need clothes. All right. And so we go and help them find clothes. You are loved like children of God. You are more important than the birds. God loves you. He will provide for you. He will take care of your needs. Why are you anxious about clothing? Verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God loves you and he's going to provide for you for the food that you need. He's going to provide for you for the clothing that you need. I I love this in verse 27, right in between those two. Right, right in between the example of the birds and the example of the flowers, he says this. Jesus says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Which of you, by, by worrying about it, can add a single hour to your life? So if you're worried today about your money, or you're worried today about your clothing, or you're worried today about your food, Can you in any way, because of your worrying, add a single hour to your life? I feel like Jesus is putting it this way. Oh, so you're worried about that thing. How's that working out for you? You're really anxious about that? How's that working out for you to be stressed about that? Stop being stressed about that. Your father knows Your heavenly father knows and he will provide for you. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. As we go outside and we see the flowers that are blooming. They're not shearing any sheep and collecting any wool. They're not knitting together, spinning the yarn out or knitting it together to make clothes. And look at how beautiful they are. And yet we, wonder, we worry about our clothes all the time. Are these clothes good enough? Will I be accepted in these clothes? Do I fit in in these clothes? Are these clothes okay? 
Why are you worried about those things? Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Those who don't believe in God worry about all of those things. You don't need to worry about those things. You don't need to be stressed and anxious about all of those things. Because your heavenly father already knows that you need them. He already knows. I already know when my kids need clothes. I already know when my kids are going to be hungry. And your heavenly father... He already knows. He already knows about all of your needs. So do not be anxious. Instead, this is the antidote. Were we overly concerned about our money? Did we, uh, where are we investing? Are we investing In earthly things or are we investing in heavenly things? Are we overly concerned about our money? Who are we serving and who are we trusting? Who's our master? Are we overly anxious about money? What are we worried about? This is the antidote to those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Just seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and he will take care of all the other needs. He'll take care of all the other needs. We just pursue him. As I was looking at this, I noticed that in a a few verses above, In this context, in the Sermon on the Mount context, uh, Jesus in verses 7 to 13 of chapter 6 was talking to them about how to pray. And he said this, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Instead, pray like this. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He says, this is how you should pray that that God's name would be set apart, glorified and holy. And then that God's kingdom would come. That his kingdom would come here on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. That his will would be done here. And then we just ask him, would you give us our daily bread? Would you provide for our needs? If you find that you are overly anxious about the money, then we can just... Turn to him and say, God, 
I want your kingdom to come. We begin to turn our focus to heavenly priorities, investing in heavenly things instead and believing that he will take care of our needs today and tomorrow and the next day. God, would you give us our daily bread and provide for our needs? And back in Matthew 6, verse 34, he finishes like this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We don't have to worry about the things that are to come. We don't even have to worry about today. We're not stressed about all of those things. Because we believe that our Heavenly Father loves us and sees us and will provide for all of our needs. And sometimes the blessings will be immense and we will be overwhelmed with the amount of the blessing from God because He has provided over and abundantly. And other times it will feel like we are barely scraping by and we don't know where it's going to come from next. And in either case, we know that God, our Father, knows what our needs are and He will provide for us. That He will take care of us. So whether we have much or whether we have little, we still have our focus on Him and His kingdom. That we might glorify Him in all things. That we might praise Him and depend on Him for our daily bread. Not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about the future, but believing that God will continue to be faithful. And sometimes I wonder about that. I worry about it in the same way that I wonder, am I really more valuable to God than a bird? Does he really pay more attention to me? I wonder, how can I be sure that God will meet my needs? Shouldn't I just save up a little bit just in case God doesn't come through? How can I really put my hope and my trust in him to be convinced that he will provide? And I want to tell you that while I have struggled with that from time to time, and you also may have struggled that, with that from time to time, that it is absolutely true that God loves you more than he loves the birds. That you are more important to him than you than are the birds. God will provide for you and take care of you. And the reason that I know this is because he has already seen our greatest need and he has met it. He has already seen that because of our sin, we are separated from him. And he has said, I am going to deal with that need first. Whether or not you think that you're hungry and that's your biggest need, this is your biggest need. You have been separated from me because of sin. And so having seen that, he so loved us that he said, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to send my son to die in your place. My son will come and he will remove your sin so that we might be reconciled. And then I will adopt you as my children and I will love you like a heavenly father and I will see all of your needs and I will care for you abundantly. It puts it this way in Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died and more than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. How do I know that God loves me? How do I know that God loves you and will take care of you? How do I know that he will see your needs and provide for you? It's because he has sent his son to die on the cross. He died on the cross and rose again from the dead. So that your sins might be forgiven. Having seen you in your greatest need, he took care of that. And now, Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father on high and is interceding for us. And is saying, I see that. We need to meet that need. I see that. We need to take care of that. And he is interceding on our behalf because God has so loved you. That he sent his son to die for your sins. And if he has loved you that much. If he would not withhold even his son. In giving overly, over abundantly and graciously. Then he would not withhold any good thing from you. It's that that we celebrate together this morning in communion. During the next uh, the in just a moment, the worship team's going to come up. And during that song, um, I would encourage you, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, that he died for your sins, I would encourage you to come up. We have uh, tables here. You can take the bread and the cup back to your seat. And then after the worship team plays the next song, I will come back up and we will take them all together to remember God's faithful love for us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that your name would be sanctified and glorified in all the earth. Father, we ask, would your kingdom come? May your will be done here on earth in the same way that it is done in heaven. Father, we pray this for our own hearts We pray this for our church and for this community and for the entire earth that we would resonate with your desires in bringing your kingdom here and expressing glory to you. Father, we ask, would you give us our daily bread? Lord, we know that you have already seen our needs. And so we give up our anxiety and our worry with the knowledge that you already know and that as a loving Father, you will provide for us. Father, we pray that you would continue to forgive us of our sin and help us in having been forgiven to forgive those who have sinned against us. Father, we ask for these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord 
and our Savior. Amen.